friend asked, so I'm answering. Today I'm talking about how I pick films with good representation. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Stuff Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I am going through, uh, well, <laughs> taking a question from a friend slash listener, um, talking about, who is asking a specific question about how to find films with good representation. So uh, that comes from fellow College of Worcester alum, Jackie, and I wanted to read off her question and then kind of go through everything. It's going to be free form today. But I hope you at least learn a little bit, and maybe you have uh, can develop your own system for finding films that kind of represent the people they're portraying in a respectful or proper or more accurate way. So without further ado, let's get started. So the question was, are there other ways to analyze a movie, etc., along the lines of the Bechdel test, like other other represented groups maybe or how do you choose films with good representation and avoid tokenism so first i wanted to talk about what the bechdel test is and how it's used and kind of some of its limitations so the bechdel test is named for uh, alexis bechdel is a cart is cartoonist uh, i believe now <laughs> she turned her i'm not sure if it was a novel or a graphic novel but it was turned into uh, a tony award-winning play called fun home and she wrote, uh, she drew a comic, uh, wrote and drew a comic a while ago that is, that's now taken on her name. And in the comic, two women are describing, uh, one woman describes her standard for, for the kind of movies that she watches. And she says that her standard has to be, it has, there has to be a conversation between two women that does not involve, that does not in, that where the two women are talking and they're not talking about a man. And then, and so saying that a lot of movies fail, fail this test, and so now it's kind of become a litmus test for, for some people in terms of quality. And it's kind of evolved into this thing like, hey, if you have multiple female characters and you aren't able to do this, what are you doing? So some people use this as a yay-nay, but it's kind of, uh, it's an imperfect system, obviously, because there are some films that portray women terribly that do pass the Bechdel test, and there's other that, others that don't that are actually, you know, maybe there's a very strong female protagonist or they have a very interesting film that are a very interesting point to make about female agency or autonomy, etc. So that's what the Bechdel test is. And I would say that even the, the Bechdel test, even within the comic, was never meant to be just kind of a broad spectrum, apply this to everything and it'll tell you what movie is good or what movie is bad. Because I don't think that's I don't think any sort of you know checkbox is the way to do it because that's unfortunately how you get very formulaic fil filmmaking and it it leaves little room for interpretation and so forth. But what I would say is is always think about the people who are presented and not presented in any movie that you think about. And I think it's kind of just being aware of the flaws. So a good example would be I'm a big fan of like kind of old school style action movies and superhero movies and those genres are not known for having a lot of strong female characters and or at least uh, conversations between a number of female characters which is why for instance something like black panther actually stands out because there are numerous com conversations between 
different um, the women in the film who are talking broadly about ideology and their perspectives. And that, you know, and it kind of, if they're having those kind of conversations, it indicates that not only are they, not only are they not just tied directly to the lead character, they're not just talking about the lead character, but they're also, they're also important to the plot. They're important, it's important that they're there. So it's, it's never, there's never a perfect system, but I think it's always a matter of, okay, like even, you know, something as broad as this particular, you know, for instance, if you do have a woman in a typical male space, is her being a woman the only thing that stands out about her? That's something that a lot of 90s movies ran into. For instance, I've seen, I remember, well, I've seen recently the movie G.I. Jane, the Ridley Scott movie about uh, Demi Moore portraying the first woman who attempts to become uh, a Navy SEAL. And it is the entire movie. It's just about her being a woman and how she defines herself in womanhood. It's trying very hard, but there's, it's not a lot of people, you know, they, there's no real even keel. Like she proves herself by being masculine and being manly to them when really her value is as a tactician and her bravery and stuff like that. And not just her physicality. So I find that, um, you know, that kind of stuff is interesting. So I don't use any test per se, but I'd say always look at things with a critical eye. And just because you like something or didn't like something doesn't mean it's bad representation. And sometimes it's best to talk it out and try to game out. That's what I always try to do. Like if something rubs me the wrong way, that's why I like talking about movies and writing about movies, because then I can fix, figure out why something doesn't work so well for me. So that's in terms of tests or anything like that, that's a good that's a good way to kind of look at it. Um, in terms of picking a film with good representation, it's a little little uh, more difficult. Uh, from a broad spectrum, I would say you start with the creators because the creators are typically going to tell you and uh, how the creators and how the movie was made because for instance, it's obviously not any group is a perfect representation is a perfect representation of all of a group. So for instance, a black American one black American does not represent all black Americans, but if you look at a movie about the black American experience and it's written, directed and starring a, a lot of white people, chances are it is missing something in its translation. And so that's how you can look at films like The Blind Side or The Help and go, oh, I can see exactly how that happened because you look at all of the creators and it's white all the way down. Versus something, for instance, uh, I watched, uh, uh, I, th I think it's based on a true story. It's a movie called The Grizzlies and it is directed by a woman. Uh, it is, and it's basically, it's about, it's a true story about a white teacher who comes to, comes to a native town in basically the Arctic Circle <laughs> in Canada and then forms a lacrosse team. And it's based on a true story. And the director, I did, I did research even before I watched it, and looked in and saw the director knew this was a true story, wanted to avo avoid the white savior trope, and you, it really, you can really tell because it was co-written by us, by a native, by a native person. It stars native actors, and so there's a lot of stuff like that. And then, you know, the perspective of the white teacher is very much him having to learn how this community operates to help these kids with their problems with this team. And so he's not the solution. He's just he's just a catalyst that helps them try to turn things around where but it's really the kids in the community doing the heavy lifting. He's just a catalyst. And so he eventually becomes part of the community because he learns to understand them. 
So I think stuff like that is always is always good. And that's why also I would say that the most impactful movie about a civil rights leader that I've seen thus far is Selma by Ava DuVernay because it is written and directed and starring. It was written and directed by a black woman who, you know, met with John Lewis when they're, you know, filming on the the march on the Pettus Bridge. So 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 much so much about that. So Look into creation, look at the creators, they typically tell you a lot. And again, it's not a monolith in terms of what the response and reaction is going to be, but it's going to tell you a lot. And finally, I would say look at critics from the group in question. Because this is one of this is where you can get into a lot not a lot of trouble, but this is where things can kind of get hiccup really quickly, is that old white critics have a tendency to really enjoy movies made by old white people. And this is especially egregious with certain Oscar bait-ish type movies and where the movie might be lovely, but it's probably not indicative of its time. I think this is probably best demonstrated by Green Book winning Best Picture when it came out because people really liked this kind of, oh, we can all get along, can't we, narrative when so many scenes in that movie made it abundantly clear that it was written from the white driver's perspective versus the black musician's perspective, which it really should be, all things considered. And I've also seen this divide with movies that are critically, like not even middling reviews like Green Book was, critically acclaimed movies that when they go up against critics of the people being represented, they just fall apart. And I mentioned this in in an earlier episode that the movie Detroit which uh, it's all about it's all about a police brutality incident in I believe 1970s Detroit it might be 60s or 70s Detroit it's a police brutality incident and white critics loved it it's directed by Catherine Bigelow who always views things as very straightforward uh, she's kind of in recent memory her last three films have been very procedural in how they approach things it's just very matter of fact there's not really a lot of commentary on anything it's just like this is what it is um, so but the reactions from white critics, like I remember Rotten Tomatoes, it stayed at around 92%. But black critics in particular did not like the film because it just portrayed brutality and did not have commentary. So that is, which is something I completely agreed with, which is something I completely agree with having seen the film. And I thought that ahead of time because it was just, it's just a play by play of police brutality. And it's like, what is the purpose behind this? What are you trying to show us other than this exists? I feel like the audience, the intended audience, especially for this film, knows this already. So I would say, yeah, it's kind of a combination in looking, you know, the best way I can say it is the best way to uh, avoid tokenism and look at representation is to look to those communities. So see what, for instance, if there is a show that involves a trans character, see what trans people or trans communities are saying about this. Same goes for queer characters, any sort of group, uh, you know, racial people, people who are neurodiverse. That is always something I've found very interesting because I know how I respond. I I don't fit into a lot of kind of underrepresented categories as it were, but I know how I feel when, you know, for instance, a lot of people make jokes about ADHD who clearly don't have ADHD or haven't been diagnosed with it. And I know that, you know, things like autism have been used as just kind of a joke as a punchline rather than something empathetic to talk about. 
And yeah, so I would say that those are the best means that you have is just listening to people from those communities. And again, because it will not be the same for everybody. Sometimes people are very happy about certain types of characters simply existing, and other times people want more. And they just like, oh, I just, like I'm so happy that we got, you know, I'm so happy that we got a, you know, Hispanic or we got like a Mexican American character, but I really want them to be more than X Y Z. So definitely look into that and. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say honestly the best thing you can do is think critically about anything you're about to watch or that you end up watching. So thanks again, Jackie, for the question. Like I said, I, I would get to it, and it's a very long answer, but I hope you all have enjoyed it, and I'll catch you next time. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time, everybody. Stay safe.